Certainly to be a joy to be with uh, those who trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who seek to promote him as Savior of sinners. I enjoyed the thoughts of the Lord Jesus as we gathered around uh, the cup and the bread this morning and realized the price that was paid for our salvation. And so this morning, saying this is my first time in your midst, I would like to simply tell you, uh, before we look at other scriptures, of how I came to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only how I came to know him as my Savior, uh, but to love him as my Lord and appreciate him for the wondrous gift that God has given us. In 1 Corinthians 8 and 15, Paul said, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. We need to come to appreciate the wonder of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I challenge you this morning, and I challenge myself, would you be bold enough, would you have the courage, would you dare to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to your heart and soul this morning? Have you got the courage to do that? Surely you don't want to come and go to church every Sunday morning like a door on its hinges and not learn more about Christ, not desire to serve him more, not to incorporate him more in your everyday life. Pray God will change something in your life today, even if it's just a more devotion, more praise from your heart to Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Our God and Father, we come before you in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, our God and Father, for your unspeakable gift, the indescribable man of Calvary. We revel, Father, in the wonder and the majesty of his power and person. We thank you, Father, for all that he brings to mankind. For we realize without him, mankind has no hope. We pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would visit us here this morning. We would not be left to ourselves, Father. For we know the words of man fall on deaf ears. It's the Holy Spirit of God that can touch the heart of man. Pray, Father, that those in our gathering this morning, saved or unsaved, would be willing to allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to them today, that they might become sensitive to what you would have them hear. Bless us, Father, leave us not to ourselves, and glorify thy blessed Son, we pray, in his worthy name, amen. I want to read you a scripture from Romans 1.16, and I believe we could, most all, all of us could quote that if we've been saved any length of time. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth.
there's one message in this world that can be proclaimed that can change the world, that can change man. There's one message only, and that's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I talked with a young man who went to divinity school in Acadia just a while ago. He went over to Korea, and he came back fairly defeated. He says, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. The question, of course, was asked, why? And he said, well, I didn't see any miracles. God didn't answer my prayer and show me any miracles. And so I pointed to three or four Christians that were in the group with us. And I said, including myself, I said to him, Yodi, you see five miracles setting in front of you. The greatest miracle that can take place on earth is for a person to be born again. Yes, the blind can be made to see, the lame to be walk. People can be healed. But that's only temporal. A man's soul needs to be saved. That is the greatest miracle that you will ever see from the moment you were born till the day that you die or Jesus Christ comes again. That is a new birth. That is a sinner being made part of the family of God. Someone being brought out of darkness into light, out from under the power of Satan. made able to serve the living God. The greatest miracle, the wondrous miracle, devised by God, the price paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ to make it so. And I wonder, is there anyone sitting here in our gathering this morning and you have never experienced the wondrous, Miracle of the new birth. Before you leave here today, God help you to make that decision as you encounter Jesus Christ. Now I'm simply going to tell you how I came to the Lord as I told you but I want to explain to you some of the great lessons I've learned in my Christian life. I was brought up in a home where I had a, a Christian mother and an unsaved father who cared for none of the things of God. But my mother instilled in us the gospel from the time we were children. I have three sisters that are still living and two are saved. We're praying for the last one. Believe God would save her. As a young man, I professed faith in Christ, but time went on, and my mother left my home, and then I went into the world, and for 30 years I lived my life as though there was no God. 30 years Wasted. 
absolutely nothing accomplished because what you accomplish in this world is nothing in light of eternity. And I got married 29 years ago to a little Filipino woman who was a Roman Catholic. And I was married with her, to her for 12 years. And she turned to me one night when we were talking. And she said, do you believe in God? I've been married to her for 12 years. And she had to ask me that question. Do you believe in God? I just said yes. And in the darkness there, I couldn't sleep. For the first time in all those 30 years, I thought, what if I face God? But worse still, I thought, you wicked, vile old sinner. You know the gospel. You know what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary for sinners. And you've never, ever told your wife. My children, who were twins born, they were nine years old. They had never heard the gospel. Satan is powerful. Darkness is deep when you're away from God. I do not believe a man realizes the depth of darkness and deception that he walks in when he doesn't know Jesus Christ. At least I know that's my experience. Here I knew the truth deep down and I was letting my loved ones die and go to a sinner's hell. I hope that every person you see, that you know, that you love, that you will tell them they need the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. Don't ever, ever think that there's an excuse that you can use for not telling somebody. All oh, there will be excuses come into your mind. There'll be reasons why you think it. Oh, well, I, I, this is not the right time. It is the right time. Behold, now is the right time to tell somebody. This world is spinning out of control. Governments can't handle their countries anymore or their people. Things are happening. Souls need to be told that they need Christ. That Christ is their only hope. And yet I didn't do that to my own family. I didn't do it to my wife's family, whom I knew had no idea that they were on the broad and crowded road that leads to destruction. I knew that deep down. And so the Holy Spirit of God began to deal with me. And it was terrible. It really was. There was no peace. There was torment.
But I never ever came to the point where I told God to leave me alone. But I began to ask, is there any hope for me? After living for self and sin and Satan for all those years, was there any hope for an old man of 58 years old? So a week after that, I was up at the cottage with uh, my sisters. I believe my sister here today was there. And they left some tapes behind, some hymns. We were there, just the four of us, for a few days. Family reunion, and uh, two of them were saved, and I know they were praying for me. and They prayed for me all those years. Can you think of it? Can you think of it? Not only did they, but my mother did for years. For years. Mother never ever seen me living for the Lord. Never saw my wife or children. She's home in glory. But the, the example she left me of our faithfulness to Christ. She never met a person that she wouldn't tell them about Jesus. And I can remember, I can remember times taking her to the supermarket and standing behind a pillar or something while she witnessed to someone because I was ashamed. In darkness, the unsaved man has no idea the terrible trap that he's in. However, the following weeks as I was building and adding on to this cottage because we were bringing family over from the Philippines, I began to play these tapes as I worked away. Now I hadn't opened the Bible either, not one single time in all those years. And I'll say to this to you too, no one ever told me. I never met anyone on the street, outside, anywhere, in my travels, in business, about Jesus Christ. Not one. So you see the need of you and I, this group sitting here that are saved today, for you to speak to somebody about their soul salvation in this coming week, if we get through this week. It's very necessary, absolutely. You want to see a revival? Does a revival start by man's plans, by man's ideas? It starts by the people of God, those who know Christ, telling others about Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit of God can use. Remember that if you remember nothing else of this meeting this morning. As time went on, I played these hymns out on the mountain, cold and bare, Away from the tender shepherd's care. Calvary, O oh Calvary, vast, mercy's vast, unfathomed sea. Love eternal, love to me. Down at the cross where the Savior died. And I remember. Like it was yesterday. And I was standing on a ladder 
And I had a hammer in my hand, and I took the hammer and I threw it the length of the cottage, and I jumped down. And I said, oh, God, help me. I'll take Christ as my Savior if he'll have me. Isn't that a wonderful word, whosoever? Whosoever. And there, the great miracle took place. I was born into the family of God, for certain. That's 16 years ago. I'm only 74. But I'll tell you, in those 16 years, I've come to love the Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious thing to be an old man and walk side by side with the Lord Jesus Christ. Daily. It is an experience that I wish for every person, whatever age they are, that they would forsake the values of this world hold so dear, and that the greatest desire in their life would be to walk and talk with Christ, the Lord Jesus. It costs. Sure it does. But I'll tell you, there's not a greater joy. There's not a greater adventure. It's an exciting thing to be a Christian who walks with Jesus. When I got saved, I said, Lord, I've, I've wasted it all. What do you want me to do? What can I do? My best years are gone. I said, can you use an old man, Lord? That was my first prayer. And I began to look for a Bible. And I, one of my sisters at one time had left the Bible in the cottage. I don't know, it maybe took me an hour to find the Bible, can you imagine? And I began to read. And I read the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this Bible had, it's one of those Bibles that had the red words of Christ. And I'd skip over the black words and I'd read these red words. Tell you, I felt like I was off the ground. I couldn't believe it was all the Lord spoken to me Himself. And I read in John 14, "If you love me, you will obey my word, and my Father will love you, and we will come and make our abode with you." I said, "Really." I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, wow, I mean, I'm thrilled, thrilled for such a, a promise by the Lord Jesus himself. I can't imagine such a statement could be made. You see, it's possible as we go along, go along in our Christian life, 
And we read the verses of Holy Scripture so often, so often. They have no impact. They bring us no conviction. They bring us no joy. They bring us no encouragement. It's because we're not inviting the Holy Spirit of God to enlighten us, to encourage us. You have to get beyond self to do that. And that verse has become one of the most precious promises that I hold in my Christian life. If you love me, you will obey my word. And my Father will love you. He will show his love to you. And we will come and make our abode with you. You talk about peace. The man who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ has no peace. But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you live for him, you have this wonderful peace. I get excited. You know why I get excited when I go to bed at night? You know why? Because when I lay on my pillow, I have a talk with the Lord. And I go to sleep night after night, night after night, talking to him. And when I asked the Lord what he wanted me to do, you better be ready for an answer if you really ask him. If you're sincere, he knows you're sincere. Because the first year that I was saved, I was on three mission trips. I went to Regina among the Aboriginals. I went to the opposite end of the world, almost it seems, the Canary Islands off on the north coast of Africa. And then later on, I ended up in Haiti. Went there a few times. And so I learned, what did I learn about that? As a young Christian, I said, Lord, use me. You know what God had to teach me? You had to teach me a lesson that I'm passing on to you today that can be a blessing for the rest of your life. He taught me to be usable. To be usable. To be usable, you have to know the Lord. You have to know him to the point where you absolutely trust him wholeheartedly. How can you do that? This book, this book is living. It's alive. The Word of God, Hebrews 4, 12, is alive. There's a lot of things that can come into a Christian's life. And I, it has happened to me, but yet, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, can expel it. Another great thing the Lord taught me to be used, how to be usable. In Ephesians, we're told to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot allow sin in our lives. 
We cannot partake of what the world enjoys as sin. Oh, you can, but don't expect to be usable. Don't expect the blessing of God to be fully on your life. You cannot grieve the Holy Spirit of God and expect to have joy in the Lord. You cannot grieve the Holy Spirit of God and expect to have peace and calmness in your life. You cannot grieve the Holy Spirit of God and expect to have vision in the things of God. You cannot grieve the Holy Spirit of God and accept, expect to appreciate the things of God the way we ought. Those are hard lessons to learn. And because I've learned them and there's such a value in a Christian's life, I'm passing them on to you. There's some young folk here today, there's middle age, there's different ages. Don't, don't let Satan steal your years. Do not, you are powerful. You have so much to offer if you are controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. If you are in love with your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, it's amazing what God can do in your life. You see, this wonderful miracle that we've experienced through accepting Jesus as our Savior, being born into the family of God, our power is not limited to ourselves. We call on the name of a risen, glorified Christ. Do you believe that? We do. Want to see miracles in your life? Just say, God, I lay myself upon the altar. Lord, here am I. Take me. Use me. Help me to be usable. Take sin from my life, for it grieves the Holy Spirit. Give me a motivation to serve you. Have you got the courage to do these things? It's going to cost you something, you know. You won't be able to dabble in any sin. But you'll be able to walk hand in hand with Christ. God changed my life. Thank God for his mercy. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. You and I are going to one day stand before him and we're going to have to give an account not of just the work that you've done. I don't believe that. 
but the wasted hours when you never even bowed your head in prayer. The wasted opportunities when you never spoke to a man or a woman about their soul and they're on the way to hell. And you knew. But if you are living your life under the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you will speak to that person because the Spirit of God will speak through you. We've seen it. We know it. I see David Hall here tonight, my dear brother in Christ. Love him. Loved his dad. We had great times together. I'm going to tell you this story in closing because I remember telling it. Seeing David there reminds me of this. So I'm going to tell this before in closing. I'm going to show you through this story the power of God. How he can take a life as insignificant as mine. And I look truly on my life as one of the most insignificant in the world. I'm an old man at the end of the journey. Really. But he can take any life and he can change it to the glory of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to tell you about Andre Lacroix. I met Andre Lacroix in Haiti many years ago. I guess it's 12 years ago now. And uh, haven't told this story in a while. Anyway, uh, we went there on a mission trip, and we went up into the mountains. I haven't got time to tell you. I've only got a minute to tell you. Uh, we went up into the mountains, and, and uh, we had bought five acres of land there, and we were going to build a, a school, a church, a community hall, whatever you want combined. It was, a, it was 100 by 46 feet. So uh, we went up there, eight of us businessmen. I, I didn't know anything about assemblies in those days. I had no idea such a thing uh, here. But anyway, we went and, uh, and bought this land and built this, uh, this, this uh, building for, for the school. There were 70 children there, and, and, and praise God, now there's 500. But anyway, we go back to that in the beginning. And uh, we went up there. There was a few huts around, and we started. And the first night, we, we, we had a generator. There's no lights, no infrastructure, no roads. There's nothing. And we set up this, uh, these uh, lights on, on bamboo poles and got the generator going and started singing the hymns. And uh, in, in Creole, they were singing. I wasn't singing. And uh, the people started to come in. And after a few minutes or half an hour or so, there was maybe over 200 people there. Yeah. This is in the middle of a, a mountain in Haiti, in the top of a mountain, overlooking towards the uh, Dominican Republic. And so as we... <clears throat> We're singing these hymns, and this, this, this man came out, and he was all dressed in paint and feathers and, and everything, and he was going to turn us into bullfrogs and toads, and <coughs> he was a voodoo priest. And uh, he was determined that uh, he was going to get rid of us. But anyway, the, the local people are terrified of these men. Uh, they have such power and control over them. And so that night, he caused such a disturbance when we went back to where we were sleeping, um, I said, I don't think any man, anybody's ever prayed for that man in his life. I said, let's pray for him every night. And so each night, eight of us, one after another, one after another, we prayed for this uh, Andre. <clears throat> we prayed that uh, the Holy Spirit of God would begin to work with this man. And before our eyes, our prayers were being answered. And all oh, the joy that brought us. And uh, 
we would see him the next night he'd come out and the paint would be gone. And then the next night, the feathers. And then he had a pair of pants on the next night. You know, this kept going. Well, this is, pray some more. Well, he got a shirt on. And so after a couple of weeks, we worked there. <coughs> we were leaving. We were going to hand over the, the deed to the local brethren. And this, uh, this priest comes out and he's dressed. And he even has a tie on me. Eh? Wow. And, and he sets down, and we had, we had made these benches of, during the day for people to sit on. Now, I, I will say, by this time, two weeks, we were having close to 1,800 to 2,000 people listening to the gospel and the singing of the hymns. And so Andre comes out, and he sits down on a bench, and all the people on the bench take off. I mean, there's everybody looking for a seat, but nobody would sit near him. So... He got up before, just before the service was over, and I can, I can, remember, I can remember the man, the, the brother preaching about the Roman centurion at the cross. I can remember that was the message. Anyway, he got he get up before it was over and he left. And, and uh, so the next morning we, we arrive at work at 6.30, and we're looking for Sebian, who is the brother in charge of things there, and I call him the Apostle Paul of Haiti. Amazing story. I could take the rest of the day to tell you about him. But anyway, uh, we said, where's Andre? And they said, he's in the, he's in the tool shed, because we had to build a tool shed to protect our tools. He's in the tool shed with Sabian. And so, of course, what did we do? We began to pray for him. Because we thought, well, he's with Sabian. He's asking about the things of God. And so we, we all, I can remember us getting in the back of the dump truck. And we're all there praying. And... Uh, uh, all of a sudden, the door bursts open, and Andre jumps out, and he says, hey, 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 and he's in Creole, and he's saying, Christ is my Savior. And wow, we just were thrilled. And he's jumping around, and he's grabbing people and hugging them and telling I got saved, I'm Christ, I'm born again, I love the Lord, Christ is my Savior, Jesus died for me, even if I am a voodoo priest, he died for me. Oh, it was wonderful. It was glorious. These are, see what I say is exciting to be a Christian in the service of the Lord? It is, really, indeed. Oh, it was exciting. Anyway, uh, Andre got saved that day. Imagine, a voodoo priest taught me the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. You think some of these people you face here are hardened, unbelievers? Tell them about Christ. Tell them about Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Lead them to the Savior. And so Andre got saved. And, and you know, all day he, he worked with us. And I remember he had this bright yellow shirt on. And we're trying to put it in the floor of the, of, the, of the building. And he's covered in cement and he's got this big smile. And every time you come up to me, he grabs you with a hand and shakes your hand. And uh, we left there. A few days later, after we handed over the deed, and, uh, and uh, we went down to the airport. We're at the airport. I'm hurrying th through this. We, went, we were at the airport, and this guy comes down, 80 kilometers from where we were, and he said to Stephen, he says, Stephen, you have to come back to the, to, to the uh, settlement right away. Stephen says, why? He says, the voodoo priest wants what his wife wants what he's got. And so... Stephen went back up there, and his wife just got saved. And that's like 12 years ago. And now in that place, when we went there, 
there was about 50 people in little huts around. Now it's a village of about four or 5,000 people. There's 500 people, 500 children attend this, the school, 250 in the morning and 250 in, in the afternoon. Uh, much of the whole village is saved. It's a, girl, it's a wonderful place to be. And so it's exciting how God works. And he took this, this man, this voodoo priest, who had been educated in the United States, and he became a leader there and a great blessing from God, and he's still there as an elder in the assembly and a teacher in the school and a wonderful, wonderful preacher of the gospel. Let God use you. Let God use you. Time is gone. Could spend a lot of more time with you. I've enjoyed being with you. But I hope that you haven't just heard what I've said today. I hope you did have the courage to bow your head and ask God to speak to you. I hope you're changed. I am. Shall we pray? My God and my Father, how wondrous to be able to call you that. And we know it's through your beloved Son. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Anyone here tonight, this morning, Lord, without Christ, touch their heart. Speak to them, Father. Arrest them. May they have an encounter, an eternal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless this assembly, Father. Keep them loyal to the word of God, to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the message of the gospel. Part us, Lord, with a blessing of desiring you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.